Welcome Christian Family Church San Antonio into the service here at 8.30 Sunday morning, Johannesburg Christian Family Church. Give them a great big welcome, everybody. Praise God, praise God, praise God. What an exciting day. Today's message is very, very powerful. You are going to be so blessed and encouraged. Thank you for being here. Praise God. Are we going to open in prayer? Do you want to say something, love? Yes, well, welcome. We are so blessed to have you. Isn't it wonderful with the technology today that we can be in two nations, one God, one family, one anointing, and we are so excited about what God is going to do. This is a God-appointed time. Now, let me just take one moment and say, girls, yesterday we had our gather conference. It was phenomenal. Yes, and you cannot miss it. You know, it is a God-appointed time. When women gather together, it is an anointed time. God has given me a word for this hour. You cannot miss it. It's only $10. What are you kidding me? $10. It's so cheap. We made it so cheap. to can buy one, two, three for your friends. And then, yes, don't say we don't have childcare. We thought about you. Bring your children. We have childcare for you. But God is going to meet you. And guess what? We're going to be refreshed. Spirit soul and body, which means we're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to be anointed. God is going to touch you with a fresh anointing and you're going to have so much fun because we enjoy having fun. So come, I can't wait to see you 31st of March. So I'm praying for Pastor Bev. I'm concerned about her not having enough enthusiasm. All right, let's bow and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to gather together to worship you and to study your word. And I make it known that I'm not depending on limited human abilities to teach, but I am trusting in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for a supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding, bringing, removing all confusion. And I believe that your word will enter every heart, bringing faith, removing all fear. And we'll give you alone all the praise, the honor and glory for all that is accomplished and revealed here today by your spirit through your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, praise God, you may be seated, family. I'm going to recap just the last few minutes of last weekend. If you are not here, I'd encourage you to go online and watch all five parts of this series, The Power, The Supernatural Power of Intercession. It's vitally important that every Christian understands this for the sake of your own family, 
for the sake of uh, your, your friends, your, uh, yourself, and your city, and your nation. It's very important. This is a tool that God's given us, a weapon, if you would, found in Ephesians chapter 6, to push back the force of darkness in the world today, and to uh, release the angels of God in the earth today, to advance Satan's, uh, to, to cause Satan's kingdom to retreat and Christ's kingdom to advance. And so that's what we are talking about right here this morning. The world is dealing with many serious problems. There are a few hot spots right now that could easily result in the third world nuclear war this time. And not only that, each nation has got desperate problems that they are dealing with. So, this is something God's given us that can actually solve these problems in the nations. All right? So, going back to last weekend, the last few minutes. Remember, in the year 605 B.C., not 1605, that was a mistake. The year 605 B.C., that's a few hundred years ago, obviously two and a half thousand years ago. Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invaded Jerusalem, captured all the Israelites in Jerusalem, took them to Babylon and turned them into slaves. Among those was Daniel. He was a teenager at the time. So they became slaves and they stayed in Babylon for 70 years. That's a long time as slaves. Then Daniel after having been chosen by four different kings that reigned in Babylon during that 70-year period, each king chose him to be their right-hand man. That's a total miracle because of his brilliant wisdom and anointing on his life. So, Daniel now, after 70 years of slavery, is reading the Bible. He's reading from the book of Jeremiah. And he reads that Jeremiah prophesies that Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon would come to Jerusalem, take the Israelites captive, bring them back to Babylon for 70 years as slaves. And then they would be released after 70 years and sent back to Jerusalem. So he's reading all this prophecy God speaking through this man, Jeremiah, and he realizes that he is right in the middle of this prophecy. It's about them at this time. And so he has two choices now. He could tell everybody, let's pack our bags and get ready. We are going home. Or the second option is for Daniel to begin to pray that it would come to pass. Now, why would he choose to pray that it would come to pass? Because without prayer, God can do nothing. Say that. Without prayer, God can do nothing. You see, family, if God was going to solve all the problems of this world today without the church praying, then there would be no problems in the world at all. Everything would have been fixed. It's not fixed because God is waiting on us to pray. That's why. And I deal with that extensively 
in the first five parts. I don't have time for that right now. So Daniel decides to fast and pray that this would come to pass. And God knew when he gave that prophecy through Jeremiah that 70 years after the Israelites had been captured, that Daniel would rise up and Daniel would pray and because of that, the Israelites would be sent back to Jerusalem. God knew when he made that prophecy through Jeremiah many years before that Daniel would come there, pick up that prophecy and pray it into existence. Isn't that amazing? All right, now, so on the very first day that Daniel begins to fast and pray, he puts sackcloth, sackcloth on his body, rough sackcloth. He put ash on his head, and he went down to the river Tigris and ate no food, probably drank the water from the river. On the 21st day, this giant angel appears down there in the lonely place, quiet place, on the Tigris River. This giant angel with a face shining like lightning, according to Daniel. His eyes are like laser beams of fire. And his voice sounds like the voice of a multitude, like a football stadium going crazy when they score a goal. That's how his voice sounds. So Daniel falls prostrate on his face, on the sand, at the river. And the angel picks him up on his feet. He says, don't be afraid, Daniel. And he says, from the very first day that you set your heart to pray and seek God, I was dispatched from the throne room to come and speak to you and give you this special message. But on the way down here, the prince of Persia, the demonic, evil, giant spirit who's in charge of Persia to control it and destroy it through its natural king, withstood me, he says, stopped me, wrestled with me, held me in the heavens for 21 days, preventing me from coming to you to give you this message. He says, but on the 21st day, God dispatched Michael, the mighty angel of war, the mightiest angel of all, to come to my rescue. And he came and he uh, fought with the prince of Persia and released me to come and give you this message. Now, if Daniel had stopped praying after day one, the angel would not have come. If he stopped praying on day 20, the angel would not have come. But Daniel con continued praying, persisted praying, until he got the answer. Now I wonder how many of us would have seen breakthroughs in many different areas of our lives had we not stopped praying when we did. I wonder how many times the angel coming to our rescue has had to turn back 
and their mission was not completed because we never prayed through until we had the peace and the joy in our hearts. I hope that this lesson will encourage us to pray through in the future. Now, because of what we just read in the book of Daniel, we learnt that demon spirits, evil spirits, control the kings and leaders of a nation if those leaders are not born again, not filled with the Spirit of God through the born-again experience. If they are filled with the Spirit of God, if they have rejected Christ as Savior, then angels camp around us, according to Psalm 91. But these demon spirits are the ones that work through the unsaved. We remember that from last week, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, and 1 John 5, verse 19, and 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. We learned that Satan is inside of the unsaved that he controls their thinking and their actions. And they can't help themselves. They just act like their father, the devil. But when they accept Christ as Savior, Christ moves into their heart and Satan moves out. Now I'm asking you, please, we learned from last week, do not vote for anybody who's not a born-again person. I don't care in what office it might be. Don't vote for people who are not born again. And make sure they are. Because they might be a nominal Christian somewhere in some church, doesn't mean that they're born again. Because they say they're a Christian, doesn't mean they are. Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit, and you'll know somebody by their fruit. We've got to know by the lifestyle of the person and who they vote for and what they vote for, what they allow in their politics. If people vote for, for, um, for adultery and sin and abortion and homosexuality, they can't be born-again Christians. They can't be. Because how can they, in that position, advance those agendas of Satan and then we vote them into office. Christians walk to church with a Bible on their arm and they vote for politicians who are not born again. When they do that, those Christians are actually voting for Satan to advance in the king and the earth for his evil agenda. They are voting for that and they are working for the devil. Even with a Bible on their arm, they're working for the devil. You cannot vote for unsaved people. Make sure they are born again. We can't put Satan in charge of our country and our lives and expect everything to go well. Not going to. Are you tracking me, church? I don't care what color they are. That's got nothing to do with it. That's got nothing to do with it. There's no Jew, nor Greek, nor male, nor female. You're all one in Christ. If you're a Christian, you are one man. One man with Christ. He's the head with the body. When God looks down on the earth, 
He doesn't see multiple races. God sees the living and the dead. The Christians are the living. The unsaved are the dead. The Bible said in Ephesians 2, you, are, you were dead in your sins. You might be breathing, but you are cut off from God who is life and you're bound for hell. If you don't realize it right now, if you haven't given your life to Christ, you are cut off from life and you are bound for hell. Unless you invite Christ into your heart, you are the living dead. Breathing dead. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Are you tracking me, church? Don't put the dead in charge of your nation. If Daniel had given up praying after 20 days, he would not have received the answer to his prayer. This story would not have been in the Bible. The whole story of Daniel would not be in the Bible if he'd stopped praying after 20 days. Now let's carry on reading from Daniel, please. Chapter 10, verse 20. New Living Translation. The angel is speaking, and he says to Daniel, he replied, do you not know why I have come? Soon I must return, on his way to the throne, to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and then against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece. So you can see that the Persian prince has called for reinforcements to try and stop this mighty angel from getting back to the throne. And both of these, the, the spirit prince of Persia and the, and the prince of Greece are not human beings. They're in the atmosphere. A man can't stop a mighty angel with his physical hands. This is a demon spirit in running the nation of Greece and of Persia. But in the next verse, 21, Daniel says, or the Bible says in this verse, this angel explains to Daniel that when he is upheld by the spirit prince of Persia and the spirit prince of Greece, that Michael, the archangel of war, will come to his rescue again and set him free, and he'll get to the throne with the completion of his assignment because Daniel prayed it through. Now the book of Ezekiel also identifies a natural ruler on earth and a spiritual ruler in the heavens. Ezekiel 28 verse 2. Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre. Thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up with pride, and you say, I am a God, I sit in the seat of gods, in the midst of the seas. Yet you are a man and not a God, though you set your heart as the heart of a God. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. In this passage of Scripture, 
The term Prince of Tyre refers to a natural ruler of Tyre. Whereas the term King of Tyre will refer to the wicked spiritual ruler who is, in this instance, none other than Satan himself. Let's count reading Ezekiel 28 verse 12. He's speaking, God's speaking to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, now this is Satan, thus says the Lord God, the king of Tyre is Satan ruling from the atmosphere. You were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. It was full of pride because of his good looks. Be careful, good looking people. <laughs> you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Before Satan's rebellion against God, he was an archangel who led the worship in heaven. He was created with musical instruments in his being. When he got up, the heavens were filled with music, and all angelic beings would worship God. And he was the most beautiful of all God's creation, and he was filled with wisdom. And yet, he led a mutiny against God and tried to topple God off of his throne, exalt himself, and sit on God's very throne. Satan's attempt failed, and he, along with those angels, one-third of all the angels, that thought he could achieve that, were cast out of heaven, and you can read about that in Revelation 12, verse 4. Now, Jesus referred to this in Luke 10, verse 18, when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air, as seen in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. He occupies and operates from the heavenlies, the first heaven, the atmosphere around us, also referred to as the atmosphere around us of the first heaven. Satan cannot get at God. He cannot hurt God. So he makes it his business to get at God's creation. He wants to hurt us, which he knows in turn will hurt God. He specifically targets the people and endeavors to ruin whole nations. Satan's authority on the earth can only be stopped as believers in the seed on behalf of their nation. Say that Satan's authority or rampage on the earth can only be stopped as believers in the seed on behalf of their nation. You see, these demonic forces cannot be stopped with natural weapons. Nuclear bombs will not stop them. Only the church can do that. Nothing else will work except intercession. 
Let's go to Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God did not say, if the lost people will humble themselves and pray, I'll heal the land. God said, if my people will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. You see, if we're not interceding like God commands us to, then we are out of order. Are you tracking me, church? All right. So what does it mean then when God said that he would heal the land when we pray? What does that look like? It means that God will bring provision. God will improve the economy. God will stop the violence and the crime. God will put a stop to all the pornography and the pornographic magazines and movies and TV will stop. People will stop going to bars. Liquor stores will shut down. As a result, many will turn to God for salvation. Many people will turn away. Right now we know many are turning away from, uh, from the Lord. But many will turn away from alcohol abuse. Many drug abusers are going to stop taking drugs. Satanic worship will stop. Adultery homosexuality, all these things will stop. Sex trafficking will stop. And there will be an outpouring of God's Spirit on the earth. According to Acts chapter 2 verse 17, God said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That's a prophecy concerning our day. And God's waiting now for the church to rise up and pray that into existence like Daniel did in his day. Zechariah 10.1 Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. That's also referring to spiritual outpouring. All Christians got saved. Because someone prayed and interceded for them. No one sitting here today that wasn't prayed into existence, into salvation by somebody. I know my grandmother prayed me into salvation. There has never been a revival or a so-called sovereign move of God of any kind without some people taking time to intercede. Never been a move of God without an accession preceding it. The birth of Jesus was prepared for in prayer by Anna the prophetess, according to Luke 2, verse 36. The outpouring of God's Spirit on the day of Pentecost was preceded by prayer. The 120 believers prayed for 50 days and nights in the upper room and the outpouring came. 
120 believers pray. Before every outpouring, God moved on people to pray and intercede for towns, for cities, for nations, for governments. Charles Finney is a great example of how this works. Charles Finney, Daniel Nash, Abel Cleary, I'm referring to the Second Great Awakening back in 1790, which lasted until 1845. This is about 200 years ago. Evangelist Charles Finney, the oldest or the old revivalist under whose mighty ministry revivals broke out during the 19th century, had a man precede him to the place where he was due to minister. This man's name was Daniel Nash, known as Father Nash. Father Nash himself was a minister of the gospel, took it upon himself to intercede for the people in the towns, in the cities, where Charles Finney was about to go. He would lock himself in a rental home or rental room or go into the woods and pray and travail for the souls in that community where Charles Finney was about to go. And Charles Finney said the key which unlocked the heavens in his revival was the prayers of Father Nash and Abel Cleary and other unnamed folk who laid themselves prostrate before God's throne and besought God for divine outpouring. Finney depended more upon the prayers of Father Nash and Abel Cleary to bring down Holy Ghost revival than upon his own ability to preach. Often Nash would not attend meetings. And while Finney was preaching, Nash was praying for the Spirit's outpouring upon Finney. Finney stated, I did the preaching, and Brother Nash gave himself up almost continually to pray. Often while evangelists preached to the multitudes, Father Nash would be in some adjoining house upon his face in agony of prayer, and God answered in the marvels of his grace. Abel Clary gave his whole time and strength to prayer. He would writhe and groan in agony in his, on his stomach, unable to stand on his feet under the weight. After Clary's death, Finney discovered Clary's prayer journal. Finney found in the exact order of the burden laid upon Clary's heart was the order of the blessing poured upon his ministry. With all due credit to Mr. Finney for what was done, it was the praying men who brought the revival. The tears they shed, the groans they uttered, are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Things of God. When Charles Finney came to town and walked down the streets, people would fall out under power on the pavements all around him and lie there unable to move in the spirit. When Charles Finney went into a shop or a factory, workers would fall out under power 
and could not continue working. You're lying on the floor all over. When evangelist Charles Finney preached his salvation messages, people would run down to the altar from the back all over screaming at the top of their lungs, I'm burning in the fires of hell. I'm burning in the fires of hell. And they'd throw themselves on the altar, give their life to Christ. The greatest evangelists of all time have had people backslide and turn away from God after accepting salvation in their meetings. But Charles Finney had the highest attendant, attention, sorry, the highest retention of souls, staying faithful to Jesus after they accepted Christ in his meetings. Almost 100% stayed serving Jesus. Now when Father Nash died, the anointing lifted off Charles Finney's, Finney's ministry. And because the anointing had gone from Charles Finney's ministry, Charles Finney stopped preaching. He stopped preaching, gave up the ministry. Father Nash was buried in a small town, in a small cemetery, way north of New York City, near the Canadian border. On his gravestone is written, Daniel Nash, pastor, laborer with Finney, mighty in prayer. Wow. Wish we could find some more of those around today, huh? The above information about Finney, Nash, and Clary is compiled from different sources and websites. From Global Prayer Network, from Prayer Magazine, from the Intercessors Encourager, volume number 35. No one saw Father Nash no one knew about him, but I believe all of heaven welcomed him when he arrived in heaven. There is a move of God, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is hovering over the earth right now, ready to rain down. Again, there is a move of God, a great outpouring of his Spirit that is hovering over the earth right now, ready to rain down. The clouds are heavy with supernatural rain, spiritual rain. God is waiting for His church to pray. Like Daniel, like Father Nash, so He can pour out this last day revival upon the earth. We know in these last days, God said, there will be a great falling away. Many are turning away from Christ even now as we speak. But God has promised to pour out His Spirit and rescue those hungry and thirsty hearts that are unable to come to Him because they are blinded by demons. But they don't know that Christ is the answer to their sorrows. God's promise.
promised to rescue them. This will be a mighty revival before the Lord returns. God is looking for intercessors right now. We are that generation of intercessors. We are to labor to cry out for the Holy Spirit reign in this time of the latter reign. We are to cry out for the Holy Spirit reign in this time of the latter reign. I urge you now, child of God, let's stand up in San Antonio and pray. Let's stand up in, Jan in Johannesburg here and pray. Let's all pray in tongues and intercede for the next few minutes. Let's pray for a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit in our day. Upon this nation, South Africa, America, and the rest of the world. God is waiting for us to pray. Heaven is waiting. The lost is waiting. Now, if you can't speak in tongues here this morning, you've got two choices. Speak another language, pray another language, it doesn't matter. Pray in any language you can. Or come up to the front, the pastors and the fellowship leaders, group leaders, will lay hands on you to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues if this is what you want this morning. But we are going to do that in San Antonio as well. If you don't have the, if you can't pray in tongues and you want to receive, the pastors and fellowship leaders are in the front right now to pray for you. And we're going to pray in a minute. I invite everybody to say this little prayer with me. San Antonio Jasper, say this little prayer with me, please. Dear Holy Spirit, again, dear Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to pray in my heavenly prayer language for your wisdom and power for our governments, for all politicians, for all leaders, for all pastors of churches, for all leaders in every field who have influence over others. We stand in their place and pray on their behalf for them by the power and the wisdom of the Holy Ghost. We intercede. We stand in the gap for them. We are trusting you, God, for a great awakening in our nations, among our leaders, among each person, that knowledge of the truth would come to them. And if they refuse to listen, replace them with godly people who will listen to you. Father, I thank you for your help now. You want us to do this because you want a revival. You died for this last harvest. They are your, this is your harvest, not Satan's. And we are here today to intercede for Father God, for Father God to receive his, his harvest. Let's pray. Ambro, Manka, Lolo, Zelas, Mekal, Eshukabaya, 
Amen. We grew up in our church in San Antonio. We rushed to a hospital. Just declare this with me of a corner. Amen. Say this. I declare. I declare. Along with the others. Along with the their others. Parents, their parents. With their parents. With their parents. Who are in faith. Are I add faith. my faith. And, faith. And, declare and declare. He is healed. He is healed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 